What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. What up, everybody? It's Corona Week 42. We're still sitting in our house, quarantined, doing nothing. This week, I had a super amazing conversation, though, for the podcast that hopefully will be entertaining for you, and maybe you'll learn something as well. This week, I had Costi Hinn. His last name probably sounds familiar because his uncle is Benny Hinn. The dude's slinging his jacket around, trying to heal people in mass at massive rallies all over the world. Well, his nephew, Costi, wrote a book called God, Greed, and the Prosperity Gospel, and is a pastor out in Arizona. And he's a fan of my account, which I thought was tight. So he agreed to talk to me about some of the issues around my account, as well as the prosperity gospel in general. So I think it'll be a great listen. If you haven't already, please make sure you subscribe to the pod at Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating, leave a review. Super helpful to me. Be sure to share it to your friends, maybe your enemies, depending on how you view my account. And... Yeah, continue to support us. Please make sure you follow us on Instagram at Reaches and Sneakers. Quick shout out to my buddy SJ for providing the intro and ad music. This is from his new EP called In the Light. And the song is called Call on Me. You can find it everywhere. You can search for him on Spotify. Just type in the letters S and J, and it'll be the first one to pop up. And be sure to follow him on Instagram at here is SJ. Alright, enough of all that. Let's get to my conversation with Costi Hint. I've read your book, uh, and I think a lot of people know who Benny Hinn is, but would you mind, for my listeners, kind of giving the two-minute elevator speech on who you are, what you're doing in the world now, and then maybe what, uh, how you came upon my account, and then we can go from there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in the prosperity gospel, all that was, uh, I wouldn't say I was the OG of it or in it, but maybe com- with some of my contemporaries, uh, we were in the center of the world of it. And I, I, you know, some of the guys in your account, I know, and we were younger together and our dads were all preachers together. And our family was definitely the, the, the Bentley drive-in Maserati, you know, drive-in, uh, you know, $10 million home buy-in yeah. family. And we flew in the Gulf streams and all that. So we were more flamboyant. <clears throat> There's this subtle culture back then and a lot of these the guys that are on your account that are younger their dads were um they pretty decent preachers just good guys they weren't real wild um they weren't rolling in bentleys and all that they they would Mm -hmm. never hit the news as a prosperity preacher but this whole next generation of guys that are sort of this almost like christian ted talk motivational speaker types um they really hit it in the business world it's almost like gospel business and yeah so it's a different world they stay away from the white suits like my uncle they're not speaking in tongues everywhere and throwing their jackets at people and doing massive crusades they're they're appealing to culture 
in a way that is, um, for lack of a better word, sexy or trendy. And that's really yeah. attractive to the culture that's like, man, these guys aren't weird faith healers. And I don't know what prosperity preacher is, but these guys are ballers and they love God. So, man, that's it. That's like the best of both worlds, right? It's like I can have both. I want my cake and I want to eat it too. So I don't have got to give nothing up to follow Jesus. I just, I get everything, but then also I'm, I'm not those crazy people. So, um, that was my world growing up though. That whole preface, uh, the preface to all of that would just be that I grew up in the center of the craziness and, Mm -hmm. and then eventually, uh, coming out of it. And then now I'm a pastor in Arizona. I pastored in SoCal in Orange County for seven years and, and, uh, lived there even before and enjoyed kind of the life, the OC life. And then when I got saved, uh, became a pastor, was a pastor when I actually got saved and really mind. Yeah. I was already pastoring at a church and we were sort of in that. Um, I don't know if you want to name names, but you guys on your account. So like, we were in the Judah Smith, Carl Lentz, that whole, we were in that world, the Chad Veach, all that deal. Um, and because we're in Orange County, the LA scene and the Inland Empire scene just kind of all merged together. We're in the mega church world in that. So y'all were trying to reach in. So people. we launched this church. Yeah. Tons of young people. And it was just look good, feel good, sound good. And then do some Jesus, sprinkle them in. He's kind of a footnote of it all. And, and Hey, we're, mm. we're doing this thing. So the church plant explodes and then we're all, and, and nobody cared that I was a hen or my uncle, who my uncle was at the time. Even when I started going to the church, I drove a, big H2 Hummer chrome package on 22s, TV screens in it, but I didn't have a kids and no one sat in the back, but I'd put the TVs on. Like I was that guy. Yeah. And I um, could never have too many screens, so, man. <laughs> so, so that, uh, that was me. And then I end up going to the church and get married. I, I, I lose the Hummer and we kind of go through a little bit of family turmoil. Like I'm like, all right, I'm out on this thing. Something's fishy, but I don't have all the answers. I'm just going, I, I just need to be in this world where it's not as, crazy. I don't want to be my uncle. That was like the original thought. I end up at this church. And then from there, God really flipped our world upside down. We started reading the Bible, big surprise there. Mm. And then looking at what I used to teach and how I used to live and going, these things don't match. I mean, you don't got to be walking around with holes in your pants, not as a trend, but because you're poor and and like doing the poverty gospel. But I'm pretty sure that God doesn't guarantee that everyone's going to live the prosperity gospel. Like you're going to be healthy, wealthy, happy, just because you're a believer. I think there's some, some nuance here, balance. And, and so all of that starts happening while my world gets flipped upside down and I'm a pastor and I go to another pastor there and I'm going, I, everything makes sense. I was a a false teacher. I was a liar. I was involved in all this, man. I benefited. Mm -hmm. I, even though I wrote on the coattails of like my dad, my uncle and all the older generation, uh, we would call them the generals of our faith. Yeah. I got it. Like I got to make this right. I got to do things the right way way. I want to do things the right way. So uh, the other pastors as well, and the church had gone through similar, was going through similar things just privately. So it was really funny. All of us come together, start talking and we're going, yeah, why don't we take this church a completely different direction? So we lose a bunch of people and then slowly over the course of years, we gain a bunch more. So that, Hmm. that's where I've been. I've been in that world, a church trying like um, many churches just to do things by the Bible. We don't think we're holier than thou or better than anyone. We just want to do do things biblically. Mm-hmm. And that pulled me from that whole world. So now I, I pastor after seven years in OC, pastoring out in Arizona now and with great friends in a church in our network. And so um, 
family's here, kids are here, the whole deal, and we're just having a great time serving the Lord. And then one day I get a message from uh, account, an account called Profits and Watches, which um, full disclosure, I, I liked shoes when I was in the prosperity gospel, but man, watches were my thing. Oh, so, that was the vice, huh? Yeah, I was a Breitling guy and Sweet and all of that. And yeah, Gucci and just the whole deal. So uh, that was that was that. And then I messaging back and forth. And then I, I kind of, I'd seen the Preachers and Sneakers account on the news and I'd seen it in different ways on Instagram and in previews and stuff. But I'd always thought it was just this like, okay, that's funny. Like Babylon B, you know, yeah. just parody. And over time, I, w- I was watching the account. I wasn't following it, but I'd just watch it and pop in once in a while. And I started seeing certain guys get mad. And then uh, John Gray did the whole buy his wife a Lambo for her birthday thing. And then there was that hit the news. And it, it just, it kind of took off. Yeah. And I thought, man, these guys are interesting because they're, they're approaching it as they don't strike me as pastors that you never did never struck me as pastors or anyone being cheeky or, or trying to be like overly disrespectful. It struck me as a couple guys. I, did, I imagine it as a couple guys. I don't know. It's one or five, but mm-hmm. who are going, man, how do we strike up a conversation about this? How do we get this in front of culture? How do we not act like the news where they're just slamming these guys and being real distasteful and turning it into um, something that's not very mature? And then how do we not swing over here and act like Pharisees just stone throwing over yeah. every little thing? And how do we just create a conversation for a college kid who really doesn't know big theological words and doesn't care and really doesn't watch the news every night? What And, and your account is it. So that's how I stumbled upon it. Next hmm. thing you know, I'm like, this, this might be actually helpful. <laughs> get people thinking. Time not just will tell. Funny. And, uh, <laughs> And to be honest, too, it's I, I stayed away from you guys a little bit because it it hits close for home to home for me. Uh, the same reason why when I first came out of the prosperity gospel, I used to get invited to dinners or different events, and sometimes they would be hosted somewhere that like the Ritz Carlton in a in a big suite or um, you know different things or or whatever. And and I for a little while, I just had to pull back from all that. Not that you can't go to the Ritz Carlton and go enjoy the creme brulee. Like by all means, take your wife, mm-hmm. enjoy yourself for your anniversary. But I, I had to pull back from all that because it was real for me. And I was in those places just because donations and yeah. living off poor people. So, and rich people who we were manipulating. So um, your account for a little while, I was like, man, people, it, it is funny. It does strike up a conversation. But if I get involved in that conversation, I'm the guy in the room kind of taking the wind out of it and going, yeah, so um, I actually live that and it's really sick and twisted when you <laughs> take a bunch of offerings from sick, poor people and even rich people who have kids that have Down syndrome and you tell them God will heal their Down syndrome kid and cure it if they give you a check for half a mil and they do and then you go fly in your private plane home and the Down syndrome kid doesn't get healed. Yeah, so I'm rocking the Ferragamo shoes and buying $10,000 suits and brand new Brightlings that are limited edition yep. um, because of that. And then if it ends up on a parody account, you think it's funny. And, and I, I get it. It's a great trigger, but I live that and it's sick. So how do we hmm. merge that? So for a couple of years, I just pulled back from everything. And then now you know, the Lord grows us and matures us to a place where we can enter that conversation again 
and not have PTSD or <laughs> like yeah, yeah. get too rattled by it. So um, I was thankful to, to, to jump on with you and just answer questions and dialogue with you. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, it's you say PTSD. Is it a was it like an insecurity or a gun shyness to not have that thrown back on you? Like, now, wait a second. Didn't you weren't you profiting all all these things you're commenting on? Is that kind of why you took a no step back? Not at all, because I look at people now and go, yeah, I so what? And and so was Paul the Apostle when he was beaten on the church and then all of a sudden he's part of the church. They're going, weren't you killing us? You know, what, what are you doing here? I, I believe repentance and grace and all that transforms yeah. us, makes us new. And I'm, I'm welcomed into the family of God. So if anyone were to try to say that, I'd go, ah, whatever. Right, right. People do that at times. I get comments like, who are you to do this? Have you given all your money back? And I'm like, right. I, I didn't. Yeah, I walked away from all that. My wife was, you know, donating her Louis Vuittons to a rescue mission. So yeah, but who cares? Even, even with or without all that, God transformed me. So we're new and we do things by the word of God now. But the reason why I pulled back from that is it was, it would upset me. I and see. I, I would get really angry and then I would be really frustrated and I would ruin <laughs> like one time. I'll give you an example. One time uh, I was part of a, a just a, an organization that had a, uh, a banquet, like annual thing. And they, I, real example, they did it at the Ritz-Carlton. So they, I, I'm part of the guest list. I, I'm in the Bible world at this point, doing the things the right way. And we pull up, and they're all excited. It'd be like, you know, a bunch of people would be like, wow, we get to go to the Ritz. And it was all paid for and taken care of by a proper nonprofit approach to ministry where like a, a wealthy donor had said, hey, for the annual banquet, I'm going to take care of this. I want to bring all of our, our people together. Um, he had contacts at the Ritz. It was one of those things. And so it should be no problem to go dress up in your suit and go for a, an annual gala or whatever they call them and just, yeah. and do that. And then they raised more money and then built more stuff and did more things in the third world. It was like a typical American philanthropic thing in the nonprofit world. Well, I pull up and I, I am so uncomfortable at the valet area because I used to pull up there in my uncle's G wagon or in my Hummer mm. or in a family Benz or what. And I would stay there. In fact, for a season, I lived at the Ritz and I lived at the St. Regis in uh, Dana Point, California, two hotels just down the street from each other. So now I'm pulling up for a nonprofit event and, and it should be happy and fun, but I'm sitting there going, Lord, I, man, I know you forgive me and I know your grace is for me, but, I, I'm just too, this is too fresh. I don't, I don't, I hate what I used to do. It brings all that up. And so yeah. it took a couple years again. Um, but now again, like after being in ministry now and, and growing a little more and, and away from some of that, I've, I've found my balance and it really is in the Lord and in grace, but yeah, dude, it's, it's, um, if, if someone were to like, if you were my friend and you're like, Hey man, um, no strings attached. Let's do a family vacation. And you were like a wealthy guy and you had a plane. You're like, Hey, jump on the plane. It'd be so much easier with coronavirus yeah. and everything. Uh, bring your family. I'd be okay. Now I'd be like, all right, you know, that's fine. But as I'm walking up the G five steps on your private plane, I'd be going, man, this is weird, honey. The last time I was on one of these, we know what I was doing. And now it's just, okay, this is okay. You, you have to work through, you have to rework things. It, it's, it's just different. Does it make That's sense? A, yeah, it does. And but how does that manifest itself as a pastor? So I've talked with a lot of pastors up to this point, and people do put uh, seemingly irrational 
standards on their pastor's lives because they feel some type of ownership because they've been giving to the church. Yes. Have you felt any of that as 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 a pastor? And could you talk about that a little bit? Like, so yeah, you've I, had the one example of like being in the traveling televangelist world, but now being as a pastor, I'm sure you still experience like, hey, bro, that's a second vacation for you this year. What's the deal with that? That kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, great question. So I shared with you just now the internal, private, me and Jesus um, process of going through the last time I tasted that world, it was really disgusting and very sick and twisted and wrong. Now, if I'm in around those environments, I'm okay. But there was a journey there, right? Like A, if A was doing it wrong and C is now, B was just just processes in my heart. But what you bring up is completely uh, separate in my mind because the Bible teaches very clearly uh, that the labor is worthy of his wages, uh, that we're to care for our pastors and our leaders. So um, I look at First Timothy in the Bible, First Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, the qualifications for a church leader, and I see manages his household well. Um, how in the world do you expect me to manage? My job description includes managing my household well, caring for my having kids that are well-behaved or growing in godliness. Uh, so you want me to work 50, 60 hours for uh, not enough pay? You want to keep me kind of low like Jesus? You know, Jesus was, was poor and Paul didn't take a salary, so neither should you. So you want to impose things that actually aren't even in the text as a command on my life, but then you want me to still be qualified and my kids to grow up and love the church and my wife to think, wow, I was re- we really cared for. No, yeah. two board members were very intense and bitter and they thought pastors should always live in poverty. And now my family thinks that's how God is and that's how the church is. So now mm. we're into that whole conversation of the poverty gospel. Um, and that's the beautiful thing. I've been at two amazing churches with godly leaders who are very balanced and business guys that are in both ministry and the business world who understand what the Bible teaches. And so, yeah, um, actually at our church, we have incredibly generous vacation time for pastors. And when we're on, we're expected to work and labor faithfully as shepherds. We're always on. It's not like you punch the clock as a pastor and then you go home and you leave me alone. I'm a shepherd, right? But we are very generous with vacation time. I'll tell you this, it's not my place to share all of it, but um, just with HR stuff. So sure. we, we do not, we get way more than two weeks a year off and we give our certain pastors uh, sabbatical time in the summer. We, we kick their families out of the church. We say, go away, go to other churches, go visit your pastor friends, just, you know, honor the Lord's day. Mm-hmm. Um, we, in the first world, as long as we can, we want to care for our pastors and make sure that they live at a median income level with the community they're serving. So that why? So that when they wake up in the morning, they're not thinking of coming home to no food or not having the lights on. Yeah, They're thinking of the people they need to counsel, the trenches they're going to get into, and the word they're going to minister. They have to pour their lives into others. And we expect that. Absolutely not. Are we going to let the foot off the gas with our leaders, right? Um, but what are we going to do? We're going to care for them. And I I think of it, and I know the military does not always do this perfectly. No one does. But I will tell you this. There are reasons why our country cares for and has programs for. I've got a buddy who has a GI Bill, all that, school paid yeah. for. and different. I have good friends that work high up at Amazon and other places who were in the military for years. And that comes back to bless them. And there's programs in place to take care of our military servicemen and servicewomen. Why? Because 
They need to focus on the fight. That's their job. And so what should we do as the people? Well, we expect them to fight. Soldiers who hide, we'd go, well, you're, that's not military, man. Why? Right, then right. Don't do it. Go, go be an accountant and go, you know, uh, I don't know, go do something else. Go yeah. whatever. Uh, fighters fight. We want them to fight, and we want them to be on the front lines. And so what do we do? We put programs in place to care for them and their family down the road. And I view the church very similarly. The New Testament teaches that very similarly, that the pastors and shepherds are going to labor, and, man, they're going to give their life to it. And we should care for them, give them a wage that is worthy of their heart. Elders who rule well are worthy of double honor, Paul says. Um, we're to give generously. All of those things are there. So now here's the, the, the part that I was told uh, early on by a mentor is three things. He said, as the church cares for your life and you come into the balance of ministry where it's not this prosperity gospel, uh, millions of dollars a year, but it's not like your wife is wondering if she's going to be able to get, you know, rice and beans at the grocery store and, and yeah. you're always in debt. Mm-hmm. When you come into the balance realize this. Don't, don't get crazy with how you live in it. Don't get crazy with how you drive in it and don't get crazy with how you dress in it. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? Help me flesh that out. Yeah. And he said, you, you work that out with the Holy spirit, but do, do you need to, do you really need to buy a pair of Yeezys? Probably not. Right. But do you need to have holes in your shoes and look like a, a you know, like you never No. Um, your, your focus is wrong if you're worried about how you look and, and how it all as part of your image. And now we're probably into your account here, right? That the idea in that world is that how I look is going to matter how I sound and how I dress and who I'm with and how my facial expressions are and the way that my aura and my influence is, is going to directly impact what? whether people or not get saved, uh, whether God does anything. And that is a messed up view because hmm. God is going to work in the hearts of people. Why? Because he's God. God is going to do great things. Why? Because he's God. It don't matter if you got gel in your hair or you got the latest shoes or you're wearing a, a whatever pair of glasses that's non-prescription so you can look more swag. It doesn't matter who you're with on your you know, your Instagram account. It doesn't matter what kind of car you're driving, what kind of stage you're on, how big the screen is behind you, or if you got reflective lights and, and audio engineers making you sound like you're Joel Osteen every week. I don't care who Mm -hmm. you are. God can work at any time in any place in any way. So yes, the church should use media. Yes, we should strive for excellence. Yes, we should care for our pastors, but we're not celebrities. Our, our ministry and faithfulness is not dependent on crowd pleasing. It's mm-hmm. dependent on God pleasing. So that's kind of my soapbox rant on all that. I believe yeah. there's balance. I'm not against poverty or uh, prosperity. I'm not av- against people being blessed. Paul says to Timothy in First Timothy 6 that the rich are to be instructed, to be generous, rich in good works, ready to share. And then he says, God has given them all things to enjoy. What does that mean? If you're blessed and you're wealthy, God has blessed you with that wealth. You're allowed to enjoy things, but here's how I would say it. Wealth is not a sin. Wealth is a responsibility. So we need to use it well. That's the key. And so pastor or not, a business person or not, there's a responsibility to steward what we've been given faithfully.
Do you think that God still blesses with surface level things like that? Like, so a lot of the, the kind of pseudo motivational speeches and preaching, we'll talk about getting ready for your blessing and, uh, putting what's behind you so you can be blessed moving forward, that kind of thing. Now, to me, I always assumed that the blessing was uh, getting to spend eternity in heaven with God. But I'm trying to understand if there's any, like, biblical merit to that. Like, so people will say, yeah, this is a gift to God. You know, this purse was a blessing. Is that valid? Like, can God bless with, bling quote unquote <laughs> it's a great question think? uh i i would look at it like this you got the full picture of god's blessings in the bible if we use scripture as our basis right not costi's opinion not your opinion and not the opinion of some prosperity dude or some poverty gospel guy who's like hey christians should have nothing yeah yeah look at the whole picture we see in matthew 6 jesus says hey look at the the lilies and how they're clothed even Solomon wasn't as well-dressed as them. God knows what you need before you ask, and he cares for you. Food, show, food shelter, clothing, or uh, food, clothing, shelter. Uh, he, God's saying, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Don't worry about your life, what you're going to have. Don't, so don't worry a bunch about getting stuff. Focus on God. So we have that. So we put that down on the list. And then we see uh, John 10, 10, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. What does he say first? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Clearly, Jesus is talking about, like you said, eternity. Jesus, eternity forever. The abundant life is heaven. It's abundant. It's overflow. It's beyond what anything could ever be, which means you're going to die, and then it doesn't end. Life ends, earth ends, but eternity's forever. That's abundance. It's incredible. So now we have that on the list. So we got a little bit of both. And then we got what I already said about Paul telling the rich to be rich in good works and generous. So there's going to be rich people. James talks about uh, not showing partiality to the rich. And, and when a poor man enters your assembly, so you're like, okay, well, clearly there's rich and poor. Um, in Deuteronomy, God tells Israel, it is God that's given you the ability to earn wealth. So I'm like, well, okay, God did that. Now I go to the book of Proverbs and I go, whoa. Proverbs 6, 6, go to the ant, you sluggard. Like, so Solomon's like, hey, lazy dude, go look at the smallest creature you can find and look how it works hard, puts away in due season, and really isn't in debt, isn't lacking. So hard work is all over Proverbs, and it says it'll lead to blessing. One proverb says, uh, he who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who pursues vain things will only come to poverty. You tell me. If we work hard, do our jobs um, for millennials and Gen Z, shut our mouth and quit being divas and do our job and not act like the world owes us anything. You know what's going to happen? Probably more than not. Life's going to get fiscally better and we're going to be blessed. And where does that come from? God. We follow God's word. What's that going to lead to? Uh, man, we, we were able to buy our first house this year, someone says. We are so grateful. Um, God provided that. Well, how? Well, he just did. We've been walking according to his word. We've been giving and supporting others and being generous with our resources. We've been working hard. We've been trusting him and we've been content and we've saved. And this year it's incredible. We were able to buy a home and now we're going to make memories and draw our little kids, you know, height on the wall. And, and we're going to, uh, 
you know, cut the grass and, and grow old together. That's a beautiful picture, right? So what would someone say when that happens? And here we're going to move into the balance now. God is so good, right? He, he, he blessed us with this home, and now we're going to use it to what? Be a blessing to others. And so we're to use resources. Yes, God does provide those things. However, we need to be real careful in saying God wants me. You think God wants you to have a knockoff, Louis? Uh-uh. God wants you to have the best. He's the God of excellence. He's the God of the greatest. He wants you to have the greatest. You claim that, Louis Vuitton, in Jesus' name. Ain't nothing can hold you down. You're like, where, where, hold on. Where does right. all that come from? Show me that in the Bible. Yeah. So we move from the balance of the Bible to whatever, some rah-rah stuff that ain't even in the Bible. So there's that. Um, I think that really the last thing I would say on all that is – we need to stay in balance because here's the deal, man. We say when we get a baby or a house or a brand new pair of shoes or a car that the Lord blesses us with, um, we needed a minivan this year, by the way, because we got four kids now. You just had a and, kid, a new, uh, another, you just had another kid like weeks two weeks ago. ago. Yeah. Little Ruthie was, I mean, she's two weeks old. We're, we're like rolling deep mini. And I, I used to say, I didn't even drive no minivan, like, you know, some go dad mode next thing you know, I'm in high shorts and you know, big white runners and it's like, a, a, you know, Chevy Chase or whatever that actor is. Um, so I'm like, I'm not doing that. And then a friend said, Hey, listen, you don't, you don't choose a minivan. A minivan chooses you. So right. it's coming. Preach. And so yeah. sure, sure enough, I mean, man, minivans are expensive. They're tough to find used pre-owned all that. And the Lord, I say it, he provided a minivan for our family this year. We were able to afford it. It was pre-owned. It was the right one. It was on the lot. No one had gotten it yet. As a Christian, I'm going, God, thank you. I'm thanking him for every good gift because James says every good gift comes from him. Hmm. But I wasn't claiming the, the minivan in Jesus' name. I was just trusting the Lord and, and waiting. And it happened and I was saving and making sure we could afford a minivan. So there's that. And we say God is good, right? Baby yeah. comes, God is good. We buy a house, God is good. Here's the balance. When you lose a child, when you miscarry like we have before, when you're driving one car and it barely runs and you're sharing everything and you're riding your bike to the office because you can't afford a car, we've been there. When you have to work two jobs and you're a server at a country club in Orange County where you used to be a hotshot and you're serving the rich people that you used to be because you got to make ends meet and you're bivocational because the church can't afford to pay you yet. Mm-hmm. God is still good. When you're yes. in an apartment that you are in because you can't afford a decent apartment in Orange County and you end up with black mold problems and your wife gets sick and your baby gets sick, like happened to us, because you can't afford to live in anything more expensive. And the elders come and say, hey, sorry, this is what we can pay. And it's, we just have, we don't have, we want to do more, but we can't. Or here's what a man in your life stage and your age and your experience is, and your role is paid on our staff. God is still good. And that is the problem with this preachers and sneakers prosperity gospel world. They're telling everybody, just claim it. Just believe it. It's going to happen. Forget the past. Look forward. Your blessing's coming. Your burden's preparing you for your blessing. Your, yep. uh, I don't know, darkness is preparing you for your dominance. Your, your lack is preparing you for the lavish. Whatever they come up with. All the li- alliterations. Yeah. It, look, just tell people to trust God. Give them the hope of the gospel. Tell him to be content. Tell him like Paul. He learned to be content and he had a lot and he learned to be content when he had a little. Don't fail the heart test right now. That's what I'd tell people in my, if I had a mm. TED talk on one of these things, I'd go, you know what, God, 
Don't worry about what God wants for you. He wants you to be rich. He wants you to be poor. Don't worry about that. Here's what God wants. He wants you to pass the heart test. How's your heart? Do you Mm. trust him no matter what? Do you love him no matter what? Is your love for God conditional? If he don't give you the Yeezys, he's not good? No, he's good all the time. When you get them, when you don't. When you can't afford them, when you can. When you have a baby, when you lose a baby, when you get a big house, when you can't afford even a small apartment, God is still good. That is true and biblical and right. The other stuff swings either too far to the left or too far to the right, and we're just really putting on a show for people. There's some daily comforts that just make you grateful and feel more grounded in life. Petting your pups, smashing the snooze button, and of course, that first cup of joe in the morning. These are things that you count on every day to help you get where you want to go. Things like the Upper Room Daily Devotional Guide. You can count on the Upper Room for daily inspiration, daily community, and daily prayer. It's the only daily devotional magazine written by readers, ordinary people, people who have encountered God in daily situations. The Upper Room is here for you every day through your email, a custom app, or printed magazine. Enjoy a free 30-day trial of their email or app service by visiting upperroom.org welcome. That's upperroom.org welcome to get your first 30 days free. Now back to my conversation with Kosti Hinn. Yeah, and it just seems like such a... Just processing what you're saying, like every good gift comes from God. But if you are in it for the transaction of getting good gifts from God, now you're trying to play a freaking ATM game with the creator of the universe. And that's the thing that scares me. Or that's the thing that I think people aren't thinking strongly about enough, like where we're, you know, listening to guys and girls talk about, yeah, your burden is your blessing people so I think easily frame that as this is my burden now is the promotion later is the suburban later is an actual baby. Uh, and that's what I think I want people to really wrestle with. And like you said, pass the heart test. Like I have to do this too. Like I pray so much about getting a good job and being able to have a dope house and, being able to be out of debt and all that kind of thing, or just even like asking God for happiness or asking for joy. So often I'm trying to transact with God and that's not what he asks of us. That's not how he operates. Like he, I think has such a more advanced plan for our lives than we could ever imagine that could possibly, like there's no chance that it, it dilutes down to me having faith and enduring the burden now, and then he's going to give me a blessing in the future. Like, uh, I think I'm just, I'm, I'm responding to what you're saying. I, I agree with what you're saying. Uh, I just hope, it's like the initial question was, does God bless with bling? Maybe, but the moment that we are following him for any of those things, it seems like a losing play. It's sin. It's right? not real relationship. How, yeah. What what marriage, what healthy marriage or healthy friendship is only predicated on you do what I want, you give me what I want in the end, and then I love you and this is going to work. No. We tell each other at the altar, for richer, for poor, 
in sickness and in health, till death do us part. Why? Unconditional, unending, undying, endless love. That yeah. is real. That is healthy. That's what we would say is acceptable. We would say any other form of relationship or transactional love is unacceptable. It's not true. Yeah. And yet with God, that's exactly how we operate. Right. God, you hold up your end of the deal, and I'll hold up mine, and this is a good thing. You're good. Romans 8, 28, right? Real famous verse everybody uses. All God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Okay. God causes all, God causes all things to work together for good. Okay. Who defines good? Who's the definition of goodness? God, right. not us. In fact, if you or I were in charge of defining good, I know what we define it as. For God causes all things to work out for my good, my blessing, my double portion in the end, my amazing job, my perfect health, all that for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. No, 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 no. The good, the bad, and the ugly. He causes all things to work together for good. So here's the deal. God defines the good, and then we already know the all things. That's not just some things. It's all things. So the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes, he can turn the loss of a child into your ministry to grieving parents. Yes, he turned my mess of a story and my salvation and my prosperity gospel testimony into a book and a ministry that reaches people all over the world, and I'm grateful for that. But that's not why I did it. I didn't save myself and go, now I'm going to turn this into my blessing. No, I. in fact, there there are so many things that have happened in my life that have been very hard and they have not amounted to physical blessings mm. or tangible things that God gave back. Some of it is spiritual. In fact, the peace of God. Um, what about a good night's sleep at night? Cause you know, you're not scamming people as a pastor. Yeah. What about knowing the true gospel? And then now, you know, if you die, you have a hope that's beyond this world. What if in a marriage now, because you've learned not to be transactional with God, it suddenly starts influencing not being transactional with your husband or wife, and now your marriage is transformed. God causes all things to work together for good. Great. He takes things that are messy, yes, and he turns them into masterpieces. Let's use their lines kind of in the proper way. Mm -hmm. But he is the artist. He defines what those are. And when preachers stand up and go, man, sometimes God uh, takes away your, your old shoes so he can give you new shoes. And sometimes he makes you drive a beater so you can appreciate what it's like to drive a Bentley. No, hmm. stop saying that. That's not at all what he's doing. Uh, God allows, and even our own sin and just life in general, sometimes takes us through the gutter and through challenges and hits us in a rock bottom place or puts us at rock bottom. Why? Not so we can think, oh, God's going to give me more stuff. No, so we can see our need for God and have a relationship with him. Yeah. And if I never get anything back from him, I've already got enough because he loves me and he showed me his mercy. And I've said it this way before. If you have everything, but you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. But if you have nothing and you have Jesus, you've got everything. 
He is enough. And that's the big question, isn't it, man? For everybody mm -hmm. listening, for all the people watching the account, for these preachers, for you, for me, for all of us, is Jesus enough? Is he the treasure? Is he the ultimate? Or is it about using him to get to the stuff, like a magic genie who grants my wishes if I rub him right? Yeah. A lot of people would agree that the, that's the question, is Jesus enough, but in turn would then critique what I'm doing is saying, like, then why even care about this? Like, just let people follow Jesus how they follow Jesus and, you know, let them deal with God. It's not your place to admonish, you know, in the public eye. I want, I, I want to talk, you mentioned earlier about celebrities. I'd like to get your thoughts real briefly about the whole concept of celebrity because, you know, you've been in front of massive crowds. You know people that are now quote unquote celebrities for being preachers. Um, my, my kind of counter question is like, do we blame or do you blame any of these guys that are clearly gifted communicators in trying to be as great as they can be with the gifts that they've been given? And isn't it really, isn't it really our faults for demanding that type of content from these guys? Like Man. we've created celebrities. What do you think about that? Just whatever thoughts you have. It's a long question. I'm still no, working on my... It's a loaded question and a good one, man. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go shotgun again, and then you edit this and spice it up how you want, sure. however it's helpful. Yeah, it's great. Let's, let's talk about a few sides to this. First, there are these preachers and, and this type of stuff because of us first. People demand it. And we know that because in the Bible, in 2 Timothy 4, Paul says, hey, in the, in the last days, you know, people are going to raise up teachers in accordance with their own desires, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to want this stuff. They want their ears tickled, he says. But you, Timothy, he tells this young preacher, you preach the word. You do things the right way. But there's going to be a whole bunch of people that are just going to turn aside to myths, and they're going to want this stuff. So they're going to raise up these teachers. So number one, um, we are partially responsible. We like it. We want it. We want to be told that God's going to give us a Bentley for going through a, a you know, for carrying all our burdens, however you want to say it. Mm -hmm. That's one. Um, but two, on the other side, the Bible teaches clearly that there are going to be these false teachers. Why? Because we're in a battle between good and evil. We're in a battle between heaven and hell, God and the devil. It's like every movie storyline. This is in, in our nature. We understand the wrestling match between good and evil. And so, yes, the enemy uses false teachers. These are the brazen guys that are just trying to take people for all they're worth. Uh, the book of Jude talks about that. Uh, the letter of Second Peter talks about that. So all of that is clear. So number one, we raise them up. Number two, darkness or the enemy raises them up and uses them to assault the church and to lead people astray. And, and then now let's kind of move to the balance. Third, not everybody who's trying to be the best communicator and to appeal to the culture is evil or a false teacher. Yeah. You and I right now are using media. Are you using a, the worst mic you can find so that the sound quality is terrible? No. Um, when you create those graphics on preachers and sneakers, are you just looking and going, ah, whatever? No, you're trying to make them look sharp and appealing. Uh, your logo is bright. It's red. It catches the eye. Us as a church, we have a background on our stage. Why? 
because we film and we want it to look good. We use great audio. We use new cameras um, as the Lord provides. And and we have people that are actually very big cheerleaders at our church of media. And they go, hey, if you guys need anything, let us know. Um, We saw these new cameras and maybe this could help the church broadcast with more what? Excellence. Yes and amen to all of that. Use media. Use yourself. Use your voice. We are to use everything. Do you remember... Paul the Apostle in the Bible, what did he do? Just walk around ho-hum? No, he used his intellect. He used his past, his history, his knowledge of philosophy, of Roman culture. Why? He said, I become all things to all men. So look, if Chad Veach wants to rock his glasses and look L.A. to reach L.A., bro, you go on, man, reach L.A., but preach the Bible and Mm. preach it right. And don't create this celebrity culture as if, if people follow it and, and they do what you say, that they're going to have all this stuff. No, you're going to preach to a lot of people who are going to go through things like Job, but God ain't going to give them double for their trouble. It's going to come in heaven, and the rewards are eternal. Um, hmm. If a guy grew up with, like, my friend Richie Wilkerson Jr. is going to reach uh, Miami. Bro, go on. Reach Miami, man. Reach him. Dress Miami. He's Miami. He dresses Miami. He's hanging out with Bieber and they're like, you know, skateboarding down the road. I love it. Good. Reach people. Go to the heat games. Um, fist bump your boys on court side. Do, yes, reach the culture. But with what? Yourself, your personality, your, your good vibes? No. Reach them with the truth. Reach them with love. But what is true love? True love is true. It's soaked in and founded in truth. Um, last one, I'll, I'll, you know, one of the most styling guys out there, Judah Smith, one of the most styling guy. I mean, the man dresses like a G. He, he does. And, and I grew up going to his youth group and youth conferences. I would drive up with our church from Canada, Vancouver, British Columbia. We'd cross the border. We'd go to his dad, Wendell Smith's church, city church, where Judah was like 18. Now he was like this phenom young preacher. And yeah, we yeah. would sit up in the balcony with our youth group. He didn't even know me. And I would sit up there and I would look at him and be like, man, that guy is so cool and he would hold that mic and he would shout and preach and he would go off 18 19 year old kid you could just tell god had gifted him with the ability to communicate god had gifted him with a charismatic personality yeah god had gifted him with a passion that was contagious why so he can be a baller so he can raise himself up as a celebrity no and i'm not knocking him or dogging him. i'm just saying that's not why god gives any of us our gifts He gives us our gifts so that what? We can be like Paul, becoming all things to all men so that, what does Paul say? That I might win some. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to win people, not to myself, not to my platform, not to follow me, but to follow Jesus. And now, last point I'm going to make on this, man, how did Jesus do it? When crowds, multitudes were following him in Luke chapter 14, verses 35, 25 to 35, this story, I'll tell you real quick. Crowds, multitudes are following him. And Jesus says, if you don't love me most, you can't be my disciple. That's crowd control. He says, you got to deny yourself. And then he says, who, what king goes to war without strategizing first? What builder tries to build without seeing if he's got everything he needs? We would laugh at him. Yeah. Basically, you better think through what it means to be a disciple if you're going to say you're a disciple and you better be willing not just to win people, but to lose people. 
because you're a bold preacher of the truth. And here's what I'm asking for these guys. I don't know where they're at with the Lord as far as I'm not like going to say, oh, they're a bunch of false teachers. But I know guys that preach false doctrine of false teachers. But, man, these guys, it, guys I know, all I want, here's what I want for them. I don't want nothing from them. What I want for them is to be willing to lose people as much as they're trying to gain people. Be willing to tell people the truth. Don't just be a motivational speaker. Be a real soldier, a real warrior, a real preacher on the front lines who's willing to lose if it means gaining Christ, willing to not please people if it means pleasing the Lord. That's all. Yeah. Just be willing to have the culture be a little mad at you once in a while because you said it like this. Be willing to have some Christians go, ooh, that stings. Yeah. Why? Because what you said convicted them. That's all I, I want for them. And to be honest, I'm not going to give an account for Judah Smith, for uh, my friend Richie Wilkerson. I'm not going to give an account for Chad Veach or any of these guys or John Gray or whomever. I am going to give an account for Costi Hint, me and my house. Yeah. But while I'm here, I get the chance and you get the chance. We all get the chance to exhort, which is biblical, our brothers and our sisters and the people around what? unto good works. We're to be stirring one another up. So my prayer is a segment like this, just stir some people up a bit and that we could stir each other all up to yes, walk in love and yes, leverage media and trends and our gifts. But why? To point people to the truth because none of that matters if it's not founded on truth. Yeah, that'll preach. And, uh, it preaches so well that it, I mean, that convicts all of us because we have to be as regular lay people. We have to be about that as well. Like it's not just for us to expect that of people that are choosing to be pastors and preachers, but if we want them to do that, we also, like you just said, we have to give an account for our own, our own selves and our own households for me to think like, yeah, he, yeah, they do have to kind of offend some people or yeah, they do have to preach the full truth of the Bible and not be scared of losing people on the platform. Like that convicts me because I want to have a, I mean, I enjoy having a big platform and enjoy having more and more people come and think I'm like doing something different and doing something in a funny way. And a lot of a big portion of me, like as a sinner doesn't want to say something that's going to be purely, uh, purely biblical, but also offensive to the culture. Do you struggle with that at all? Or are you pretty secu- in a pretty secure place about that kind of thing now? Yeah, I I did at first, but and I don't say this uh, overconfidently or arrogantly at all or boasting. I'm not. It just I struggle with different things. Like I told you already, I I, I go through processes where I being around certain things makes me feel guilt and shame that I don't need yeah. to feel and all that. Um, but telling it like it is is not something that I I wrestle with in that sense. I do wrestle like everyone with pleasing with people pleasing like in yeah. ministry and wanting to um, like if, if somebody told me uh, in my church, Hey, pastor Costi, you're um, you're doing too many podcasts. You're not shepherding enough. Um, you need to come to my house and, and, and hang out with me more. That would, that would get to me. I'd be like, all right, well, I'm, I ain't no podcast pastor. I'm a, I'm a shepherd of the flock. <laughs> yeah. So I, that would mess with me. Right. So I, I get, I would lean in to where someone else like, well, whatever, sorry about it. I, I'm not here to hang out with you every day. I'm here to put out truth. That's a preacher. So that would get to me. But yeah, getting up in a pulpit and looking out there and worrying about if people are going to get upset. Nope, not at all. Worrying about if it's going to offend. 
worrying about if uh, people aren't going to agree. No, because why? It's not my truth. It's God's. I'm just the messenger. And that's life. The don't, you know, we, we all, we care. I, I'll say it this way. When you're in the middle of the, the, the sermon and you're preaching, yeah, you're not really worried because why? It's, it's, it's go time. You got up there. God put you there. Unleash the truth. But you preach it in the pulpit, and then you work it out in the pew. How, when you come down from the pulpit, so to speak, you're, you're walking with people in a more sensitive, tender, drawn-out way, right? It's monologue in the pulpit. It's dialogue in the pew. Yeah. So um, hopefully that helps. I, I, it does. The pulpit is not the place for cowardice. And I'm going to go use military illustration again. I use this all the time with our guys when we're talking about preaching and ministry with our, our interns and shepherds and training. Look, when the fight is on, you it's not the time to worry about a bunch of other little things and peripherals. You, you focus, you lean on what? Your training, what you prepared for, what you strategized for, and you do the job. That's a sermon. It's preaching time. Then afterwards, what do you do? Well, you, you care for the wounded. You look at what you could have done better. You talk, you debrief, uh, you meet with superiors, you talk to your fellow soldiers. I mean, all, you work it out right after. So I, thankfully, I've been mentored well by a couple of really great preachers who in the pulpit, it's on, don't waver. And if you've prayed and studied faithfully all week, you'll be fine. After, yeah, don't be a jerk about it and just go, whatever, take it or leave it, people. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you've got to walk with people, right? Yeah. yeah. So I have found kind of my, my equilibrium there in that regard. Um, so no, I don't struggle to unleash the truth. But I do, like everyone, care a lot about how people work that out. I want to be sensitive mm -hmm. after the preaching is done and, and walk that road with people. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's a great answer. And, uh, I believe it, I can tell. Uh, and that's a blessing. I think a lot of us that, uh, aren't in that space care a ton about building platform just for platforms sake. Like I didn't intend to have this, but now obviously it consumes a lot of the things I do. And so that's an encouragement to me, or at least a conviction for me to say like, Hey, maybe don't care so much about losing followers as long as you're anchored on what you believe and understand why you believe that and are bold with the things that uh, you believe. Um, all right. So we're running up on time, but I want, if people want to rebuke you uh, online, how can they find you? Absolutely. Where do you spend the most time? Yeah. Bring on the, the rebukes. And, and maybe if a few of you want to say nice things too, you can. Um, yeah. On Instagram, I am Costi W. Hin, so pretty easy. Um, and, uh, and Preachers and Sneakers follows me, and I follow Preachers and Sneakers, so you can click on the follower or following list and just look up Costi. You're the uh, only Costi and the only Hin, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's four of us. I actually have cousins. I got, there's four Costi Hins in my family. And yeah, but you're the only one following me, right? Or yes. I don't know oh, if okay. any of the other guys are following you, no. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, they can Instagram and then on Twitter, same handle everywhere. Costi W Hin on Twitter, Costi W Hin on Facebook. And then um, if you're one of those people that's not really angry right now at, at either one of us and, and you just want more preaching, more resources, more articles and support, 
Um, I run the blog at forthegospel.org. Big surprise, pretty easy name, uh, yeah. forthegospel.org. That's my blog. And then um, our church, Redeemer Bible Church, is on YouTube. And we've got like over 15,000 or close to 15,000 subscribers now. And then, um, but it's growing like 100, 200 people a day. It's crazy. It's awesome. And that's just full of sermons and messages. And there's lots of stuff on this topic and other topics if you just want to be challenged in your faith. And um, so those are the things, social media and then um, any, a couple of platforms that might help people get resources. That's awesome. And I, you're not going to do it yourself, but uh, he does have a book, God, Greed, and the Prosperity Gospel. It's incredibly powerful, and it's a more in-depth look in kind of your experience in your uncle's world and how you came out of that and some of your, like, some biblical thoughts about kind of counters to the prosperity gospel. It was super encouraging to me, and uh, I'm probably going to steal some of it for the book I'm writing uh, with with adequate citations. But, um, Kosti Hinn, thanks for spending the time with me, man. This is, you know, if nobody else listens to this, this is super encouraging to me and uh, is always uh, a good jumping off point for me to read more Bibles. So I appreciate you doing this. Right on, man. Thanks. Do I, do I get like, uh, do I get Yeezys or Jordans? Like, what do I, I get something well, right you, for doing you the, get you your pick. some, some $2,000 pairs of shoes in the mail. You do. Yeah. You get your pick really. I'll send you three options and then my assistant will fly them over to you on our jet. On the it's jet. a G5, and just not a G6. Hoodie. Bring a hoodie and I'll, I'll preach in the hoodie and, okay. uh, and I'll preach in my Yeezys. So. <laughs> For all those cool Arizona afternoons, right? <laughs> yes. Thanks, man. Uh, Keep it up. Thanks for listening to the Preachers and Sneakers podcast today. If you enjoyed it and you didn't do what I told you to do at the very beginning, head on over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the pod, leave a rating, leave a review, and follow me on Instagram at Preachers and Sneakers and at Twitter at Preachers and Sneakers without any vowels. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to check us out in two weeks for the next episode of the Preachers and Sneakers podcast. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.